Welcome to Sports with Friends. My name is Seth Everett. This is episode 390. And February is off to a flying start. I hope you all enjoyed the Super Bowl. What a great game, right? The Chiefs edging out on a late field goal. The Philadelphia Eagles. You know, I, I kind of had a rooting interest for both teams. Patrick Mahomes' godfather is Latroy Hawkins, who's been on this podcast more than anybody else. And I went to high school with the GM of the Philadelphia Eagles, and why he hasn't been on Sports with Friends is beyond me. That is a long-term project for 2023. Two-time Super Bowl winning general manager Howie Roseman. He was a junior when I was a senior. I should have been nicer to him. So far on the podcast, uh, the month of February, Eric Legrand was inspirational. That was an amazing episode. And then we had an NFL Hall of Famer, James Lofton, uh, right here on the podcast. Does a great job on the NFL and CBS and uh, was amazing on the podcast and very open to coming back. Both of those guys uh, want back on the podcast. So that will definitely happen. There's no question. Uh, right after we get past uh, 400, where we've got to plan something big for 400. Uh, next week, we are going to be talking to Lisa Guerrero, the longtime television host. She is the author of a new book, and I'm very much looking forward to talking to Lisa next week here on Sports with Friends. It is also the week after the Super Bowl, and we'll find out how that went in the world of online gambling and also what NFL futures we should be taking a look at with the head odds maker at BovadaSportsbook.com, Patrick Morrow. This week, we are talking to a longtime sports journalist and a guy I've admired for years. Uh, he has been a full-time staff member for Sports Illustrated since 1996. Primarily now, he works uh, covers tennis. Uh, he's currently an executive editor at SI. He's covered tennis, the NBA, sports business, MMA. He's also an analyst on the Tennis Channel at the Four Majors. He's the author of 10 books and recently has been a contributing correspondent for 60 Minutes. And I first found out about his 60 Minutes work because he did this comprehensive story for 60 Minutes about Paisley Park and what it's like after the passing of Prince. And for those of you who know my career, I've uh, worked with Prince and, and that is a, a big part of my uh, fandom, let alone my career. I'll have to definitely make sure we discuss that here on the podcast. I have wanted to have John Wertheim on the podcast for so many reasons. There's so many times I've said, boy, I wish I had his number. Well, now I've connected with John Wertheim. John, thanks so much uh, for doing this. I, I appreciate it. I know how busy you are and taking time out to be on a podcast like this. I really do appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Glad we were able to, uh, glad we were able to make this work. I started off, and I don't want to make this a morose podcast because that's not what the show is known for. Uh, but the reason I, I reached out to you uh, originally uh, was the passing of your dear friend, Grant Wall. Um, I heard you on another podcast talking about him, and it was so eloquent. Um, I was trying to get Grant. I, I said this on when we talked to Richard Deitch on the tribute. Um, I was trying to get Grant on Sports with Friends after he returned from covering the world cup that was my plan and uh, that obviously never never happened uh just again without going into grand detail um that was a loss that a lot of people it it reverberated throughout the sports industry yeah i mean it, in some ways it was sort of this is narcissism this is selfish i mean in some ways it was really gratifying sort of i knew what a good dude grant was you know this was one of my 
close now the world does for a quarter of a century i didn't quite realize the extent to which the world does it was sort of a, a comforting you know I've, I've talked to um to celine his wife about this too and it, it has been really comforting that uh you know that this this was like a celebrity death i mean it was just yeah. it was crazy but it really shows that um you know try try to the towns you you can you can have an impact and i think um you know these celebrities and then billy jean king and then lebron tweeted about it but was yeah. just as to me was just as meaningful was that the intern from 2002 remembered a, a kind act it really um i mean again it's very easy to veer into uh sentimentality and cliche but it really sort of was proof positive that small small acts of kindness uh, don't go unnoticed yeah there's no secret uh, about that um all right let's let's switch gears because you know your bread and butter these days is tennis um that's what i read you most about and um you were very critical of the coverage of ESP, not 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 the coverage per se, but uh, the the uh, presentation of the Australian Open. Oh, well. And one thing I thought was really odd was this continuing trend of not sending announcers. Um, I I also you know thought that it was like the interns were running the ESPN Plus stuff in the sense that the match would end, the coverage would end, and then they would just leave a camera on the court. I watched guys cleaning up. It was it was a strange. It was just a strange thing. It was like, like custodians were coming out and sweeping the, the the seats, and I was seeing this. And I you're watching. I don't know, it, yeah. I, I don't know if that's the kind of access I, I wanted. What prompted that from your perspective as someone who's covered tournaments before? Yeah, I mean, some of this I should quickly disclose the uh, an obvious conflict of interest that I, I worked for for tennis channel and um, you know we, we used to go to Australia and have rights and now I ended up doing a, a pregame show from Santa Monica we, we weren't there either you know I mean I think some of this is about sports media in general I think that the pandemic uh, you know so, some of the cost-cutting measures from the pandemic and some of the necessities of the pandemic have, have bled over and I think it's to the detriment of coverage I mean you just can't cover an event as well off a monitor as you can being there and talking to the players and the coaches and the agents and getting the flavor and seeing the banners and the fight in the parking lot. You just sort of miss all the, the ambiance and the nuance. To me also, this is a sort of a great frustration of tennis. It's this wonderful sport. It has so many virtues. It's global. It's got, you know, it, players in their in their late 30s are competing but so are teenagers it's men it's women it's international i mean so much to like and it can't get out of its own damn way and at a time when sports are more popular than ever when other sports would kill for tennis's reach and the fact that you have two genders playing simultaneously and some of it's sort of exotic i mean the tennis has all sorts of assets and squanders and this was another example here you have this you know, this major tennis tournament, it's going on on the other side of the world. So yes, that makes for some some weird hours, but ESPN shelled out a lot of money from this. And then they basically, you know, it's, it's like it's like buying a fancy new car and then like leaving it in your yard to rust overnight. This has nothing, I mean, I want to be clear and I'm glad you did too. This has nothing to do with the broadcasting talent. Or, no, no, that that's or, what, or wasn't what quality. I was talking about, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I just want to be clear. This wasn't like, the announcers are great. You know, it's not about the people. It's about oh, the course, programmers yeah. and the decisions. And you're right. I mean, they, they push this thing to streaming. And we all know, I mean, the dirty secret about streaming 
it's the future. It's, it's cool that I can watch UFC fights on my phone. And, but the numbers just aren't there. I mean, the majority of people, especially for a sport like tennis, where the viewership is a little older, people want to watch this on their you know, linear TV, in their living room, in, in their bars and saying, oh, we had everything. It just had, you just needed to subscribe to ESPN+. Plus. No one wants to watch tennis matches on their phone. Um, so, you know, ESPN paid a lot of money for this property. They basically boxed everyone out. So Amazon wasn't there. Tennis Channel wasn't there. And then the programmers really treated this shabbily. And you want to also say to the Australian Open, have some pride in your product, right? I mean, if, if you went yeah. to the NFL and said, we're, hey, NFL, we're going to pay you a lot of money in broadcast rights, but we're going to bury this on a streaming service that no one's going to hear about, it would never, sure. you know, that would, that would never happen. So some of this is ESPN treating this shabbily, but some of this also is Tennis Australia, the Australian Open, simply going to the highest bidder without saying, listen, we'd love to take your money, but you got to send John McEnroe to Melbourne. He can't be calling us out of a broom closet in Bristol. Hey, listen, we've got to get this on linear TV. Not everyone, especially for a tennis audience at three in the morning is going to fiddle with streaming. And also, like you said, present it responsibly and elegantly. This is a you know, major tennis tournament. The fact, and I have the same experience. It would buffer or exactly what you said. You'd be watching absolutely empty courts and you realize there hadn't been a match there in 90 minutes why is that feed still rolling it was the whole thing was just a shit show and it was so classically tennis so uh anyway that was that was the source of my frustration more of our conversation with john wertheim from sports illustrated and of course 60 minutes we have a great prince coming to the podcast but now it's time to recap the super bowl and find out about nfl futures with the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow. Patrick, when looking at this game, I thought going into it, that's a hard one to be very confident on. Um, I, I struggled with it because I told you before, I'm not averse to placing down a bet, and I a lot of times follow your advice. But for this one, it was a pick 'em. If in my eyes, it felt like a pick 'em, and going into the fourth quarter, it was tied. Nah, and this this was a scenario, Seth, where we were we were pretty okay with whichever team was going to ultimately win this game. We just didn't want there to be a lot of points, and I know that doesn't make us popular with players, but you know, looking at uh, the parlays on the game and the teasers attached to either team and the total, it was nothing but money on the over at Bavada. So we were praying for a low-scoring game, but ah. Uh, we, we got crushed with that. Once the, the scoring started as much as it did, as early as it did, as often as it did, we knew we were gonna be in for a world of pain. But uh, yeah, that, that was a tough one for us there. Uh, again, we would have been okay with either team. Just that many points really hurt us. What about the halftime and, 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 and those kinds of things? Uh, was the national anthem I heard, it was only like a couple of seconds over? Uh, you know what? It depends what line you got. I think the last line that we posted, Seth, because we posted this at various times of the week as uh, you know, we, we try and figure out uh, how best to price this. And then once the rehearsal comes out, that usually gets leaked and we can get pretty close. So at the very end, our closing line at Bavada was over under two minutes and three seconds. And we timed that at 201.32 seconds there. So ever so slightly under on the main line at the end with that had the majority bets on it. All right, and now let's take a look at futures. Uh, for next season, the favorites have to be the Eagles and the Chiefs, right? 
I'm actually a bit surprised to see the Eagles take a bit of a dip here. What we currently have is we have the Chiefs as the favorite at 6-1. to The Bills follow them at plus 850. And then the Bengals and the Eagles are both right there at 9-1. to uh, trailing just behind the Eagles are the 49ers at 10 to 1, and then everyone else is 15 to 1 or higher. So those are your main favorites at Bavada. Looks like a really good chance that we could see a Chiefs Eagles uh, rematch as they are the top favorites in their conferences. You know, I, I think where there might be some opportunities a little bit uh, in the medium to lower end of the futures board is kind of the teams that had good out had a good outlook for 2022, but either by injuries or other situations ultimately didn't see it pan out. You know, the LA Rams are a really interesting choice at 30 to one, and they are a small liability for us right now because, hey, they are two years removed from being the Super Bowl champs. Uh, they still have a lot of that roster uh, in play. Injuries was really the worst part of their 2022 season. McVay is coming back. And I would say a similar team in that regard is also the Miami Dolphins that who are also at 30 to one at Bavada, also representing a low liability for us. And also a team that started off, played some really good football, but injuries ultimately derailed their season with Tua Taya Viola having two different concussions at various parts. So I would say that, you know, as much as we know who the favorites are and it makes sense, uh, there's certainly some opportunities there, especially with these teams that will have ever so slightly easier schedules because of how tough their 2022 season was. Well, there's definitely a reason to believe that both the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles will get back. But then again, that's what the NFL is all about. Parity. Let's see where Cincinnati is next year. Buffalo. I definitely believe that there's more talent and better teams in the AFC than the NFC. We are going to obviously change gears with this segment. We're going to start to focus on college basketball as the NCAA tournament comes. Uh, the baseball season is starting. We'll pay a little attention to that. The hockey playoffs, the NBA playoffs, there's still a lot going on in sports, even though the NFL will subside for at least a little while. Then you have the combine, then you have the draft. Really is a 12-month-a-year situation. Our thanks, as always, to the head odds maker at Bavada. Patrick Morrow for his insight. He'll be back with us next week on Sports with Friends. Now back to our conversation with Sports Illustrated's John Worthon. I work crazy hours, so there were a lot of times where they don't have the uh, the cutoff point where they won't start a match. You know, if it goes a certain uh, length into the night, they'll they'll play it in in the Australian Open. And the interesting part was. A lot of those games were covering over. I remember watching Andy Murray, you know, in the middle of a radio shift that I was doing for iHeart. And I was like, this is on like this. This is great. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this. And yeah, there were times where I, I was seeing it like they were showing weird things. It was like they, they never said goodnight and it just kept going. And you just wondered if there was something going on. And it was it was one of those weird, weird things. Um, I will say about tennis. Uh, one thing that I've been impressed with, you know, as somebody who's been in sports casting for 25, almost 30 years, um, my kids did not gravitate just because I was covering a game. They hate baseball and I covered baseball mm -hmm. for 25 years, but my, my kids love hockey and tennis and my daughter will, my 14 year old will stop everything to watch good tennis matches. And I think there's a certain drama of that because i always liked it my parents always liked it but i was never that deep fan where i think i live with now a massive fan 
And I do think that this sport is really, really compelling. And again, we're not, I'm not selling it. I, you're on the podcast. I'm not kissing your ass. I think that there's something about tennis that is really, really riveting. I love to hear that. We need about uh, 7 million more of your daughters, but um, no, I I think at, at some level it's, it's an acquired taste at some level it's a tough sport to follow, right? I mean, the, the NFL exists over taking the London games out. You know, it takes place over three time zones. Uh, there's right. a tournament this week. There, there's one in South America and there's one in Rotterdam and there's one in Dubai. It asks a lot of the fan, but I think one-on-one sports, to me, individual sports sort of have a special layer. I mean, I like MMA for the same reason. I think individual sports have a certain dynamic that team sports don't. Again, how awesome is it that Tennis fans, without even thinking, will go right from Novak Djokovic, 35-year-old Serb, to Coco Goff, 18-year-old, you know, a- African-American woman. And without, it's not even conscientious. I mean, it's just, it, 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 right. Yeah, it's just it's clicking just, a button. Yeah. Um, it, it, I don't know if you, you watched the, uh, you saw the Super Bowl, right? And they had the, uh, I'm blanking on the, the girl's name, but they had the, the sort of pandering commercial about, hey, listen, we have women fans hands as well you know the girl that was getting chased by billy jean the King flag football my... the flag she, yeah she's, exactly. like, she's like a mexican uh flag exactly. football champion yeah it, it was it's um, pretty wild you know i'd like you know god bless her but it seems that scanned to me like nfl pandering to listen we have female fans even though every single player in the league is a man um <laughs> tennis doesn't have that problem uh there, there is no <laughs> tennis fan who says wait a second i love roger Federer and rafa nadal and i don't care about those two Williams sisters. And there's no fan that says, I love Coco Goff and I love the Williams sisters, but I don't care about Novak Djokovic. I mean, if you're, you're a fan of the sport, age, gender, nationality go by the wayside. It's really riveting when it's at its most exciting. It's got so much going for it and it can't get out of its own way, which on the one hand is a source of great frustration. It's also, you know, candidly, it makes covering the sport kind of fun because there's always uh, well, because you're always telling stories that nobody else is telling. Right. There you go. Exactly. I, I, I see where, where you're going with that. Um, I don't want to do the whole podcast on tennis, but I have two quickies. Um, this is an unpopular opinion. We've done many podcasts about this of the 400. <laughs> Anytime we do a tennis podcast, this comes up. Uh, I like the women's game more than the men's game, not because I like the women more than the men. I like two out of three over three out of five, three out of five becomes a war of attrition. It's, it's just, it's conditioning really. Um, it doesn't become about skill. And I love the loser of set one in a women's match is all of a sudden has their feet to the fire and it's instant gratification. It, it, it to me, the women's game, I can watch four women's matches as opposed to one four and a half hour giant match. I, I hear you. I mean, my, my suggestion, which I mean, the, you know, it's, well, uh, no, I, I don't mind if tennis. you disagree. I, I just wonder what your logic is behind disagreeing. My, like, do you like no, three no, out of five? A, do you think uh, three out of five is better? I, I don't love three out of five. And I think for the same reason, it really, it demands too much of the viewer. It demands too much of the athlete. The problem is the players love it, especially the top players, because they can fuck around for the first set and they defeat aren't to the fire. They can still wait for things right. to uh, come back. Um, my idea, the one thing I don't love about three out of five, two and best out of three is that you think of the classic matches in tennis history, right? And it's, it's better Nadal and it's Nadal Djokovic. And right. the women are sort of taking themselves out of that discussion, right? If, if right. they're never playing best out of five, it's sort of, they forfeit the right to these wonderful, wonderful matches. 
what if we played the first week of a major, everybody best of three, we got the show rolling. I don't think anyone needs to see a five hour match in round one. And then for the second week, you have this gravitas and everybody, including the women plays best out of five. Um, I, I prefer, I mean, I like best out of three too. The, the problem is the players love it. And I feel like the players in tennis, there's no union, right? There's, there's no collective bargaining. So seldom do they get what they want. I sort of feel like if, if the players want this, I have a bit of a hard time uh, opposing them too, too vocally. Do you think the Netflix documentary can have an impact on tennis in introducing it to people who haven't watched? Or is it just my daughter's going to watch it and that's about it? I would love to know what you, I mean, I'm too close to it. I thought it I was love, sort of, see, I don't cover tennis, don't know. you know, I mean, I've what covered the U S open, but only in the sports update, you know, I've done updates from the court. I've never, right, I, I right. went to one press conference in 30 years. Um, to me, it's, it's access, you know, the, the Gyrio stuff is, is interesting, you know, cause I, I, I he, he's an interesting guy. Um, right. But, but, what I'm curious, you know, Formula One benefited greatly from Drive to Survive. Um, to the oh, extent trans transformed, of, yeah, transformed. To the extent yeah. of the, their new rights deals are greater because mm -hmm. of that documentary. Um, I just wonder whether or not I'm a I'm a student of sports docs. I could watch sports docs all yeah. day. Like if you told me every other you know drama show is gone for two months and all I have are sports docs, I'll be just fine. Uh, detour. What's your, what's your favorite sports doc? Oh, uh, the June 1994 ESPN 30 for 30 on that oh, yeah. one day where o the Rangers had their parade and, the, uh, and uh, OJ right. and the Knicks in the final, because right. I, I interned for the fan that summer. Uh, and I was at WFN and I went to the Ranger parade to interview man on the street as my assignment. And then I That's remember, great. you know, the Knicks and being in the finals and all right. the hype about that. And then of course the OJ chase, it's one of the greatest days. That was the day the World Cup started. Uh, Arnold Palmer pl played his last match. Oh, that's to me. Now there are great ones, but that's the greatest. To me, that's the greatest single documentary. One, it, it covers one day, and it's one of the best days in sports. That's great. Um, I think What's it was Game Seven too. Um, man, that's a good. That's a good. No, I don't know. I mean, you know, sometimes you have this personal connection, right? So I. I didn't think it was like the greatest 30 for 30, but like, I love, I lived Miller time, right? Oh, the Reggie Indiana, Miller versus like the Knicks. Yeah, when I mean, when John Starks brings his mom. Exactly. And then Reggie Miller exactly. goes, and, Re and Reggie right. Miller says, uh, he brought his mom. Why couldn't I have known that? Exactly. <laughs> See, <laughs> we remember the stuff. Um, anyway, no, I think, you know what the thing about um, Drive oh to God, I have to have you back. We'll do a whole podcast just right. on sports right. talks. Oh, that would be so um, the uh no i mean i'm sort of in this world now so i'm sort of seeing how the sausage gets made sure, and it's um sure. yeah it's a whole of course. you can do a sports doc on the making of a sports doc but um no i don't but to your question i think i think it'll help i mean you know any netflix series aimed for the general sporting public yeah i mean my, my wife's going to care more about nick curios and nonstruber than she did i think one issue is that a lot of people, you know, even self-included, I barely knew what Formula One was. I mean, you were sort of explaining a whole sport. No, nobody's saying, hey, wait, what's what's a tennis court? I got to see tennis. Um, and I think, you know, I, it's, I thought it was good-ish. I thought it was sort of B plus. I, I wrote okay. a review and I sort of said, 
you know, it, it, it nailed the fact that it's a brutal sport and it really got the sort of emotional rigor of it down. It sort of, you know, I think it definitely dissolved the stereotype that tennis is a country club sport. You know, these are real athletes who suffer and struggle. I'm not sure it quite punched through. I'm not sure they got the best material. I mean, I thought it was sort of larded up with these kind of sports cliches. And I, I don't think like you came away necessarily gripped by the athletes. Right. I thought it was, I thought it was good, not great. And I think, you know, I mean, I, I've had people talk to me about it and I gotten asked about it and it had a bit of buzz around the Australian open, but I, I don't get the feeling this is having the impact that, drive to survive did where everyone i know no matter how much or little they knew about f1 all of a sudden started watching and caring uh, it, it's interesting i i haven't seen the f1 uh documentary uh only because i started covering uh for when i was writing for forbes i covered formula e uh the electric car racing oh yeah right right and right. to me that's more interesting because that those batteries that they're working to win Fakakta races are going to turn into the batteries that we have in our cars. You know, if, if yeah, technology, exactly, exactly. that's the only sport that can actually change the world. Right. Yeah, so exactly. I, I, I tend uh, to, to, to like that. Um, sports business is something that is ever changing. And uh, I am curious to get your perspective on what you've been seeing regarding the uh, potential bankruptcy um, again, at the time of this podcast, and I have the caveat of if you're listening to this in the future and you know how all this ends, uh, do me a favor, send me a message, let me know how the flying car is. Um, the the RSNs that are owned by uh, Sinclair, uh, and there are a, a bunch of them, um, they're all expected to file for bankruptcy. And teams are in this position where they may not be getting payments from the cable companies that they have relied on when I say for decades, for decades. And this whole model is changing. And what it reminds me of, and I was just curious to get your perspective. It reminds me of when Napster came out and every CD shop went out of business. That's what it felt like. It felt like we were killing the CD and we were changing the way we were consuming and what's going to happen is this bankruptcy is going to lead toward a, you know, pedal to the floor uh, on everything's going to be a la carte, a la carte right, like the right. Clippers have. It's going to be Clipper vision throughout uh, everywhere. And you're going to be able to buy your team's rights and watch your games however you're watching. The more, more full disclosure is that, you know, some combination of Sinclair Valley Diamond Sports are, uh, are, are tennis channel owners as well. So, oh. <laughs> so know that. Um, and I think one thing that's really interesting, go back. Someone gave me a presentation once and they took when you had the, the cable bundle and they said, you know, here's what you're paying for SNY. And then they looked at the viewership for the Mets. And then it was even more extreme. You go to the Padres market and basically to get what they were getting for the cable bundle, right? Where you and my mom, you know, we're, we're all, I'm paying whatever it is, 99 cents a month for the Hallmark channel that I don't even watch and don't even know where it is on my dial. My mom's paying for Big Ten Network. Of course. And she has no idea what that even is. You know, if you did this a la carte, the math was so crazy. It was literally like $1,600 per person per Padres game. 
everyone in the San Diego area was paying, you know, a dollar a month as part of their cable bill. And you would have games where fewer than 10,000 people were watching, never mind the programming when there wasn't a game. So the a la carte, by the way, nobody watches. I mean, I don't care what these networks, no offense. I used to work for SNY. Nobody's watching any of that stuff. They're just watching the games. Exactly. Um, So the the one hitch in all this a la carte model where I think it might work uh, with sports is that sports fans now are everywhere. So if I I was talking, actually, uh, it's going to sound like a name drop, but uh, Steve Ballmer was on this years and years ago when he bought the Clippers. He was talking about, hey, listen, why aren't we just charging a $1.99 a game? And never mind the Southern California market and this whole sort of Time Warner, Comcast, just anybody that wants to watch the Clippers, it's a $1.99 a game. If you want to watch 10 games, we'll give you a deal. If you want a season pass, we'll give you a deal. And somebody, he's, he's, you know, trust me, there are 10,000 people in India that are going to do this tonight. And this is why the NBA being a global sport is so important, right? I mean, this is not a discussion with NFL doesn't have these local deals, right? But with baseball and the NBA and to some extent hockey, I don't see the downside. If every team basically said, we're going to buy, buy, buy your games, stream them, and here's the price, you know, here's, here's the price point, here's what it is. Somebody said, yeah, it's going to create though these, you know, the have and the have nots and that more people are going to want the Yankees than the Kansas City Royals. And my response to that is, what do you think their local revenues are anyway right now? Right. Not as though the Yankees are getting the same thing that the, I mean, not the Royals are getting anywhere close to what the Yankees are anyway. So, I mean, I think that's where we're headed. I don't know how, you know, I don't, I don't know how Major League Baseball and I don't know how Bam, Bam Technologies feels about this, but to go back, back to your Napster analogy, yeah, there, there no, there's no tower records and the physical product. You and I don't there's go another see great shopping. documentary. That's a great documentary about the downfall of the t- tower records. Oh, yeah, I saw, I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah, the one in California. Yeah, that's a good yep. one, too. Um, uh, I'll, I'll share music documentaries another time. But uh, Oh, I have some music um, questions. The um, Have you seen? Well, all right, we'll say that. Anyway, p- point being, you know, I now have this thing in my phone, right? It's called Spotify. I can put in any song at any time. I'm more than happy to pay. I think the economics, you know, you're, you're not getting, Warner Records hates it. And to some extent, the musician doesn't like it either. The artist, especially sort of the middle grade artist doesn't necessarily like it. But, you know, c- capitalism plus innovation plus technology is, is a powerful force. And I suspect that uh, if I don't have to, pay for SNY, but I can pay $1.99 whenever I want to watch the Mets, I'll probably end up being okay in the end. And I think the the franchises will as well. I know that you've uh, done a lot of NBA coverage in your career. So then I want to tie the last topic into this one. Um, you know, you mentioned Steve Ballmer charging $1.99. I can't imagine paying $1.99 for a Clippers Nuggets game and then finding out five of the starters are just sitting out arbitrarily. I've never seen a sport like that. Um, I, I'm a big hockey nut. Uh, these players are literally putting band-aids on their bruises just to just to go out there. I mean, they'll they'll sacrifice everything uh, for every minute of every regular season game. And I've never seen it. Just seems so extreme. And the reason I wanted to bring it up, I understand players taking a game off. It's a grind, right? But it's when uh, this is before the Nets fell apart, but the Nets played the Indiana Pacers on a night in December and they rested nine players. 
like nine play. They only have 16 on the roster. Right. It, it just, yeah. I'm just curious. Does that, does that irritate you? Does that bother you? Did, my whole point is I don't pay attention to the NBA regular season because they don't pay attention to the right. NBA regular season. The, the market is a powerful force. And if no, no, but you were talking about it was, a la carte, like, it, yeah, could you right. Imagine no, spending dollar ninety nine and then saying, finding out all these stars right. aren't playing. Right. So what if, as maybe there's dynamic pricing, right? Maybe, maybe the pricing goes down. Hey, if the Lakers are uh, if the Lakers are resting LeBron, I'm not paying. I'm paying seventy two cents. I'm not paying full price. Um, maybe this is something the players use in collective bargaining, right? I mean, we want X percent of this revenue, and in exchange, we will play. We will play maybe more? we to shorten the season. Uh, it's funny. I was talking to. Man, I'm, I'm full of name drops today. Name um, dropping. All right. I liked your first right. name drop. Uh, so Char- Charles Barkley has a whole thing where he says, listen, if you don't, if you have a losing record, you can't raise ticket prices. And he also has a thing about it. If you're suspended, you only get suspended for home games. It's not fair that a player gets in a fist fight and then the fans of Utah, you know, Utah, Phoenix and Sacramento are deprived of Good him. Point. No, if yeah, you get in I've a heard fight, him say you, that. Yep. Um, and I, so, I mean, I think, I think it's an interesting point that maybe there is some, I mean, cl- what's clear is that the season is just too long. Right. And the other thing is that the, but does anybody say import. that about hockey season where there's like three to five over 500 teams that don't make the playoffs is, uh, I mean, it's an interesting sort of cultural, it's an interesting sports cultural argument, but you know, people are rational actors. And if everything in my value and everything is packed into the postseason, and that Tuesday Nets Pacers game in December doesn't mean anything, it's not going to impact me when I try to get a new salary. It's not where the TV ratings are being driven. People act rationally. And, uh, you know, if, if it's, it's three in the morning and there's a yellow light, and there's no cop on the street, I'm going to run the light the way I wouldn't if it's three in the afternoon and there's a school bus in front of me. And it's, it's not so different here and you've set up a system where you'd almost be crazy unless you have this sort of hockey player ethic right you're playing too many games all the import is in the postseason anyway it doesn't make sense for lebron james to play 82 games in the regular season and i've had hockey players i had peter i had the late peter McNabb on this podcast about three months ago and like the subject came up and he was just scoffed at the idea. It's inconceivable to these guys. It's just, it's fascinating. The whole thing is fascinating. Do you mind uh, telling me how 60 minutes came about? Oh man. Um, yeah. And then and I wanted to end on a much lighter note. You did a 60 minute story on something that uh, is near and dear to my heart and something I had a little is bit. It Prince? Is it Prince? <laughs> was that in the email? No, I just see it behind you. Oh, I see the glyph. Yeah. Uh, I see the glyph. Prince, on your right uh, Prince gave that to me. Yeah, is that right? Um, had it. No, I the sixty minutes. I'll take my is, Prince story out of the podcast. No, we we uh, we love Prince. Um, what was, oh, oh, sixty. No, I I sixty minutes had a sports show that was sort of the real sports for sixty minutes, and I did some stuff for that. And then they sort of said, "Hey, listen." It's actually a funny story. They, they, they said, you know, can we, can we talk to you for a second? They said, you know, this is, this is kind of a weird conversation. And I'm thinking, all right, well, they're going to say, loved having you, but we're, <laughs> and they basically said, would, would you ever, would you ever be comfortable doing stories in addition to sports? And I'm thinking like, fuck yeah. I was like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I love sports, but there are only so many times you tell the story of, uh, you know, the, the bright prospect or the guy that gets injured is having a recovery and, 
the team that's coming together. And I mean, yeah, I would be happy to uh, spread my wings and do non-sports stories. So this was like, oh man, when was, I don't know, this was probably 2017. And uh, sort of been kind of juggling, juggling sports writing in 60 minutes ever since. But yeah, I would say probably one out of, I'd I'd say four or five stories I do with 60 minutes are non-sports, which is fine, fine by me. One of the things that uh, I took particular interest in because of my history, uh, you did a story uh, on Paisley Park after Prince's passing. It wasn't about Prince's passing. It was uh, about a release that they were doing, that the estate was doing. And you got a chance to tour the place and interview a lot of the particulars and people who are doing stuff now. What was that experience like? And uh, what can you tell us about a piece that for a lot of fans, people were hanging on every word like you know the stuff is coming out so dribs and drabs that when you did that story you know they were looking for a lot of answers i was prince fan for years and years and years so i wasn't you know some stories you start on scratch from with 60 minutes and you sort of have a research binder and you're learning as you go this one i sort of had a little more familiarity and even then i was learning things left and right one of them is just how almost comically prolific he was um and also the guy was a total visionary. Um, we, we basically spent, I don't know, X, X many days just in Paisley Park and people would come by and everyone had a story and sort of met fan mates. And I mean, it was just, he was very much alive posthumously. I mean, his, his, his spirit lives. What an absolute remarkable singular talent. I, I sort of had fun just talking to people about his basketball career and ended up writing a piece for sports illustrated just totally kind of an outgrowth of this whole 60 minutes yeah, piece. Yeah, but yeah. um no i mean i think uh I, it's one of these people who we we appreciated at the time but in retrospect i mean this, this is one of the real geniuses of our time and i mean i'm just in absolute awe of the talent the musicianship the work ethic the I mean, again, like like your story, I mean, this guy really saw around quarters and in some ways, yeah, sure. He was this eccentric musician who lived in the studio and kept weird hours, but he also really was, you know, a, a member, you know, he was a human being. He really was very connected to what was going on and to social issues and to technology, just an extraordinary, extraordinary human being. And, um, you know, th- there's dispute about, the the heir and the legacy and the trust in the states and this whole well, prince I mean, vault is fascinating but i mean just yeah well ahead, i mean what, what look, we can get into the weeds on that and that would be a totally separate podcast i think the the thing that people need to realize is i mean he was in aol chat rooms when AOL, uh, america online yeah, was first right, starting right. he was in right. the chat rooms talking to fans finding out what they wanted um, and I was in those chat rooms. I would I would go into these not knowing it was him, but I definitely talked to him. I definitely chatted with him um, back back in the day. And then um, I, I always think this is the, the biggest uh, talk about his progressiveness. Forget music is he created an online uh, download store, the musicology online download store. Right, right, right. Six right. weeks before I too. Exactly. He he this this whole battle over the, the glyph and the name was basically you record companies, you've got you know, oh, yeah. you've got the leverage now, but trust me, I know where this is going. And pretty soon no one's gonna have to even buy your product. They could just gonna be able to get it electronically. 
well, well that's pretty good in the 90s not, not for nothing but uh uh, it was just, a, it was a remarkable story. And it, the fact that it was like a guy that I had been reading all this time, I was like, you're doing this. It, it, it was pretty, pretty nuts. Um, lastly, uh, we, we end the podcast always with uh, how do you feel about social media? Is it a necessary evil? You know, we started this podcast talking about Grant Wall. I think Twitter was the best place to, uh, to see tributes to Grant. Um, but it can also be a disgusting cesspool and, uh, you know, who knows by the time this thing is released, you know, some new twist to, to it uh, is there as well. Uh, how do you feel about social media and how can listeners find you? Oh man, I would, I would just say, uh, yeah, I don't know. We can skip I mean, that I'm if still, you like. <laughs> no, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really good question. And I think part of it is sort of, we have agency. I, I mean, I'm as guilty as anyone. And you go down these rabbit holes or some, someone with 11 followers says you're a clown. And then you get pissed off. It, you can use these phones for what you like. We have agency here. And I, I say this, um, I'm not trying to be dogmatic because I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone, but basically, you know, we, we can do with these what we want. And the, the Western canon of literature is in my phone and the Encyclopedia Britannica is in my phone and a movie studio is in my phone. And so are a bunch of knucklehead anti-vaxxers saying, you hate Novak Djokovic, why don't you stop showing your face in public it's just it's kind of up to us and i don't know i mean in some ways it's great this this phone that you and i are this allows us to have a conversation from my office this allows me to have multiple jobs at once and do six i couldn't do 60 minutes in sports illustrated at the same time if it weren't for this thing it also can be terrible and social media can be the worst cesspool it's also been a great way to connect with people and fans and sources and story ideas it's kind of what you make of it and what you allow it it's sort of you you have agency here that's something i need to keep reminding myself the block button can be very handy the <laughs> direct messaging this is how i want to get in touch with people i i think overall it's probably a net positive it's definitely problematic um i've been toning down my twitter i just the one the one thing i don't understand about social media is like if i you know, I've got a job I love at 60 minutes. I, I do my writing. I do my tennis. If I fuck something up and write something inconsiderate or offensive, you know, I can lose my job. If I write something that gets a thousand retweets and goes viral, you know what I get? Like dopamine. Nope. Doesn't really change my life. I don't, don't make any extra money. Doesn't really do much for me. So on the one hand, I can and I've seen this happen to people, right? I mean, you've seen people make messes of their career with a couple of stupid tweets. Uh, the the risk reward ratio is not quite what it should be. So I, I tend to use Twitter for a lot, you know, promoting and like, you know, if so, so a colleague writes a nice story, I'll retweet it. I use it for tennis because especially as an international sport, I think it really works well. But I, I don't go on it for my views about uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Right. I mean, I, I try to kind of rein it in. Um, where can you find? I don't know. I guess I'd, I'd say find find me on uh, Sunday nights on CBS. But I do I do I am on Twitter, but it tends to be a lot of tennis content and a lot of retweeting friends and stories I stumble across. You're not going to get and retweeting my, uh, podcasts that you've been on. Yeah, exactly. Of course, <laughs> it's uh, retweeting all my favorite podcasts. So uh, my new friends. But, um, you know, I, I, would, I would not, uh, by, very much by, by design, I would, I would not say I'm a good follow. You're not going to get my thoughts about Rihanna and halftime shows and what I had for lunch. 
that's that's fair john uh thank you so much for doing this uh like i said if if uh this is the first time you're on i'd love to have have you on again and again and again and like i said the, the tangents that i have a feeling you and i could go on uh would be plentiful and um i don't i i, I could take all day doing this and that's not what podcasts are supposed to be we're trying to keep them to a reasonable length uh but i appreciate the time thanks so much for doing this that was fun you 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 had me at uh, you had me at hello with your prince glyph uh off to your shoulder and uh no people can try this at double speed but uh, no that was fun keep keep my number happy to help anytime john wertheim right here on sports with friends next week lisa guerrero thank you so much for all the folks who listen please keep up the ratings we love being 5.0 on the ratings <laughs> please leave reviews i read them all one day we're going to do an episode where i read them all out loud that should be a lot of fun but we're so booked in february lisa guerrero next week on her new book warrior uh, the longtime television host and uh, our thanks to john wertheim for coming on the podcast we will see you next week if you want me to stay i'll be around today to be available for you to see i'm about to to stay here I got to be me you'll never be in doubt that's what it's all about you can't take me for granted and smile come on please I'm gone forget reaching my phone because I promise I'll be gone for a while when you see me again I hope that you have been the kind of person that you really